Hi, this is Josh Cohen, and you're watching and listening to State of the Republic podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of State of the Republic podcast. My name is Luis, and today I'm joined by two amazing co-hosts. First, let's get started with our guest co-host of tonight, Billion Bishev. How's it going, Podcast Magic? And hey, welcome to the, the team. How's it going, Luis? Uh, awesome to be here. I have so much fun every time I'm with you guys on the podcast. Uh, had so much fun doing the Jeopardy um, and really look forward to more of those episodes. So I'm really excited to be here and thank you guys for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Next, let's go with you, Podcast Mom. How's it going, Sharon? Hey, good morning. Well, it's morning now, but I don't know what time it's going to be when anybody watches this, but um, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. We've got sunny California weather, and I'm looking forward to seeing Josh and talking with him and exploring a little bit about some history and what's current, currently going on. Thank you, Luis. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, it's morning time right now. Really excited to, to be recording an interview in the morning. Uh, usually we do interviews, uh, usually they tend to be in the evening and we tend to be really hungry and Sharon knows how that goes, right? We start talking about food and next thing you know, we're like, all right, I'm going to go already because I need to go eat. So that's, uh, it's definitely different, especially when you just had your breakfast. So all, all good here. Well, before we get started, uh, I just wanted to remind you all, if you haven't followed us on social media, hey, why haven't you done so? You can actually find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply just look for at State Republic 12 on all three platforms and you'll be able to follow us there. Also, we do have a Facebook group called Sacramento Soccer Fans. If you haven't joined yet, please submit a request to join. And as I usually say, join in on any conversation, anything soccer related. It doesn't have to be in Sacramento. It could be anywhere else as well. So Thank you uh, to everyone who has joined that as well. Well, uh, since you are our guest co-host today, uh, Bishev, I thought, why not have you introduce our special guest tonight? It would be my pleasure. Hey, Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we haven't seen each other since July 2019. Um, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you for hosting me. Um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a quite a bit of time since I've uh, gotten to see you or or any of the other guys from that 2019 team. Yeah, awesome. I mean, you've been doing big things, so we're excited to get to talk to you and see how everything's been going and how you've been doing. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be on the podcast. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been a very interesting year on on many different levels. From you know, for me, from playing in Israel now to, you know, the whole coronavirus situation and how that's affected both the league I'm in here and, you know, watching how it's affected USL and MLS and all the, all the soccer around the world. It's just kind of been a chaotic year, but, you know, everybody, we keep, we keep moving forward and keep enjoying the, enjoying the soccer. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, real quick, since you moved, uh, have you been following the USL and MLS or have you been able to? I know the time difference makes it a little tough, but um, have you been yeah, following Sac Republic? Yeah, so I've been, I've been following a little bit. I haven't been able to watch, you know, live games, mostly because of the time change. Any game in the evening there ends up being, a, you know, 3, 4 a.m. game for me, um, being 10 hours ahead. But I've definitely followed the score lines um, and tracked, you know, tracked the playoffs a little bit because uh, one of my former teammates here last year, he was actually on loan. Uh, another goalkeeper, Joe uh, Kuzminski, he was on loan from Charleston Battery here for six months. So once he went back, he was playing in the USL last year. So I was following him as well. So, Josh, I have I have the next question. Yeah. Going back to when you were in Sacramento, your seasons in Sacramento, you established yourself as the starter. And I mean, like you had all the starts in 2018. And how important was that to do that? And then um, how did it feel to become like a fan favorite? I want to say, you know, I think the chants were in Josh, we trust and that sort of stuff. 
Um, you know, c- coming into a new team, you're always a little bit nervous. You don't know exactly what to expect with, you know, the, the coaching staff, the other players, the, the goalkeeper union and how everything will work out. And, you know, coming into Sacramento, it worked out very well for me. I kind of I was able to hit the ground running, you know, had a, a good start to preseason, um, got got rolling, had a few good games right off the bat and kind of got myself into uh into a groove. And so that, that's kind of the ideal start at a new team. And that uh, luckily, you know, those first few games and then that became the first few months, uh, you know, the fans, <laughs> you know, they, they were great. They, they seemed to like me and like having me in goal. And so that just kind of helped build the confidence and I tried to build on that and continue from there. Um, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of, how it goes and and it's always fun when it works out you know you 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 never know what to expect but it's good when it goes right how following up on that you know when you uh when your back was to the tower bridge battalion and you heard all that had you ever heard anything like that before you know coming from your other teams um so in um not not as loud or as many people no I, i hadn't um not not in a positive way. I had experienced it in Sacramento in a negative way the year before, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to bring that up now, but, but, I, um, but yeah, that was, um, that was, you know, w- one of the first times where really just such a large presence and a large crowd like that was behind me and supporting and chanting. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, once you join Sacramento, then no matter where else you go, like they, no one's ever going to be uh, booing at you and all that. So, so BHF, don't worry about it. No matter where you go, there's no Reno anymore. So I guess, you know, <laughs> wouldn't be as, as mad. Um, so all, all good. But you, yeah, you know, just being back there with the TVB, I know the, the chance. I know we had a really special chat for you. It was a really cool one. And you probably heard it so many different times and whatnot and you know it was you know I, I can't wait hopefully for you to possibly come back one day because you know we really need to do that chat again so switching gears to uh something that you know m- might be a little bit of a secret of yours can you tell us more about like how is it that you achieve the level of fitness training focus that you showed us in sacramento and that we've actually seen you over in israel on the show um, for me, I don't think it's really any particular secret. It's just a combination of, you know, tr- trying to stay grounded and kind of uh, keep your head down and working. I've, you know, I've, I've had plenty of success in my career. I've been very fortunate in that regard, but I really, I enjoy playing. And so when I get, you know, such enjoyment out of it and I just want to be better for the sake of being better and seeing, you know, how, how much I can improve myself. And the, um, and so my goal, you know, I, I do have some bigger goals, but I really just focus on the process of getting better. And I drive a lot of enjoyment just from trying to get better on the day to day. And it's about little things, little, um, little achievements and little improvements, um, as, as you know, and I know Bishop knows this once you play with, you know, people at the higher levels, as you get up, it's all about those tiny, tiny details and those like very minor things. And so, so you just kind of stay focused and, and focus on, uh, focus on that. When I think of you, Josh, I think of discipline. I feel like you're one of the more disciplined players I've played with in terms of you really capitalize on the time that you have. So instead of, you don't waste a lot of time. You're always doing something purposeful to improve yourself or to improve your mind, to improve your body, to help recover, all that kind of stuff. So when I think of you, I think of discipline. And I would say that's that in itself is kind of a secret or a skill because everyone knows, oh, be disciplined. But to actually implement it takes a lot of hard work and it's, it's almost a superpower. But um, I think you are really good with your discipline. Ah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and and build, building on that one thing, you know, I, I know there's a lot of um, a lot, a lot of kids and stuff who like to, you know, who want to get better and they commit a lot of time to something. And, you know, time is only a bit of it. What Bija is saying is, you know, you have to be, you know, 
focused with your time. It's like, you know, in your life, you probably spent, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of hours, like just writing notes or writing things on paper by hand. And, you know, most of our handwriting is pretty terrible still, even though we've spent a thousand hours doing it. But, you know, and so it's all about using the time to like deliberately focus on the things you want to improve, the little things, because if you just throw a lot of time at a problem, you're not necessarily going to get better. It's about um, being, being disciplined with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very well said. It's being, you know, cognitive of what you're doing and having a purpose to what you're doing. Um, And along those lines, we know you were attending CSUS while, you know, holding down the head keeper job at Sac Republic. Uh, So we saw you also balance a lot of things in life. Um, Why was it so important for you to attend the engineering classes and to give, to get your degree while also being a professional athlete? Um, For for me, I think it served uh, two purposes. One was kind of just to, um, to keep, keep up my skills on the engineering side. And for me, that's something where if I'm confident that I'm not losing those skills, I'm more, you know, I'm more confident in my playing ability and my willingness to keep pushing my playing career further. Um, Just because I feel like if I'm not working on those outside skills, I might be giving up something. And so, um, and then on the other side of it is just, there's a lot of, a lot of downtime to being a professional soccer player. You know, you train during season, you train once a day, usually in the morning for a couple hours and the rest of the day, you kind of need something to, so you don't go crazy. And in Sacramento, that was, um, you know, working on my master's degree and, um, and working towards that. Yeah, it was impressive. I remember sometimes we'd, we'd finish training or we got back from a trip. I remember one specific instance where you had to like grab food or you made a sandwich, you finished and you went straight to classes um, and you had to be there. I think it was in the evening even. Um, so yeah, the ability yeah, yeah. to balance it was impressive. Yeah, it, it was mostly evening classes when I was there. And and yeah, and, and one thing I'll, I'll say is there were definitely times where I bit off more than I could chew. And I a little bit regret that because I, I definitely noticed uh, moments where I wasn't training or playing as well. And it was because I was, you know, doing too much on the school and engineering side. Um, and so, so you have to find that balance for yourself and it, it's different for everyone. Yeah. I like that. I see it as it's like a double-edged sword in a sense that in order to play good, you have to get rid of any doubts or any, any, anything that's holding you back. So if the fear mm-hmm. of losing those engineering, um, abilities that you had was kind of keeping you from playing well, you had to hone them as well, but you had to be careful not to go too far to that side because then obviously you want to perform and train and play as well as you can um, so like you said the balance part is very important but it seems like you were able to do it um, I'm, I'm taking some classes online as well through a community college here I've been doing it for a few years now but I only take one or two classes a semester to keep it really light and simple um, and I more or less take classes that I would find interesting like personal finance or philosophy um, just to also keep me busy because like you mentioned we do have a lot of free time as footballers and a lot of times players will just do video games or uh, maybe go to a coffee shop or anything. Did you have a coffee shop you liked going to? I feel like you were, you were out of the apartment a lot studying maybe. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the coffee, the coffee shops I was at was just the one on campus (laughs) because I would go there. I would, you know, you know, it would take a little bit of time to park sometimes. So once I parked and I was able to walk onto campus, then it, then I could relax. I'd go get some food, you know, go sit outside a coffee shop um, and, you know, finish up my homework or review things that I needed to do. So Josh, we didn't, feel any of what was going on underneath you know it's kind of like a duck on the water you don't see how they're paddling underneath but I'll tell you what everybody thought you had like this massive chill attitude you know and so (laughs) maybe besides something in engineering what actually got you riled up because there's only a couple times where we actually saw flashes from you what what situations kind of got under your skin if you can tell us that or you know you can leave that one on the table no, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm uh, for the most part, I'm a pretty mellow, 
mellow person. I've actually, that, that's something where it's not always a good thing as a goalkeeper. And I've kind of, especially being here now, um, I've learned you know, more of when I need to not be mellow and how to not be mellow. Um, in terms of, you know, in Sacramento, I, you know, there were, there were definitely a few times at training where I got frustrated, but I didn't, uh, you know, and I, I would express it in my own way, but I was definitely quieter about it than, you know, other players who, who were very confrontational or, or, or could get very upset about things. Uh, but, but, you know, little things, uh, in in regards to soccer that um, that, uh, you know, I get riled up about is like if you're playing a small sided game or at training and I'm OK if somebody makes it makes mistakes. But if you're consistently not trying or you're um, or, you know, you're doing something that's that you you shouldn't be doing, like if you have a simple pass, but instead you try to take on and beat four people on your own and you're consistently doing this, maybe if you try it once and it fails, okay, that's a mistake, that's fine. But you know, don't don't take the piss at training. Oh yeah, I, I agree. As fans, that, that's something that we do get annoyed from, right? Whenever you see a player that constantly trying to do it on their own and they're not even really being successful and they just keep trying, it's like. Hey, we're wasting opportunities and sometimes you only have two or three in a game. So you really have to put a lot of value to them. So Josh, uh, let's take you back to, uh, to 2018. You guys play against LAFC. I had the opportunity to uh, be at that match. Uh, it was something else being open cup. We, we know how, uh, that can get, especially in away games as well. Uh, can you walk us a little bit about what happened when they get a PK? You're right behind the 3252. You know how loud they can get. How, how was it like having a like lock a penalty and have so many people out there like saying who knows how many things at you? Yeah, so <laughs> so so that was you know a pretty amazing experience. I I, I really wish we, we had won that game. It was you know definitely a disappointing end to it, but the um, you know, the, the PK and just being in that environment was pretty amazing on the penalty itself. You know, I had a pretty good idea of where he was going to shoot and, you know, everything's a percentage game. You just, you play the odds and, you know, if it's something like 70, 30, you take the 70 and you, you don't overthink it. You just say, okay, the odds tell me to go to my right and low. And so I'm going to go right and low as hard as I can. But also um, that one, I kind of, I, I remember I did a little double fake where I went, I, fit, I faked right, faked left, and then dove right. And that was because um, of the, the, the studying I'd done, the film I'd done, and seeing how, um, uh, um, how you know, their shooter on the run-up is looking at me and looking to see where I move. And so if I move right and then left, he's going to shoot right. And so then that's why the set, where the second fake comes in and that, you know, I, I've, I've used that technique a few times and I was really happy that it paid off that day. Oh, that's cool. Can you tell us any more uh, memories of, of that match uh, going into the match, traveling there and, you know, just overall throughout the match? Yeah. So, um, so for, for me, that was actually a, a pretty cool week. My, uh, my girlfriend, she graduated from her master's program at UC Santa Barbara that the week before. So I actually, um, I think we were playing, I don't know if it was San Antonio or Rio Grande. I think we were in Texas the game before, maybe three or four days earlier. And so I actually flew to LA a, a couple of days earlier on my own. I went to the graduation and then I met the team. Uh, I met the team at the hotel that weekend um, in, in LA and we stayed right in downtown at a very nice hotel. So it was, you know, a, a cool experience. Uh, I remember, uh, cool, uh, was it uh, Colby Jones came and spoke to us, I believe uh, kind of in the hotel and kind of gave us a little pep talk. And then, uh, and then just going to the stadium and seeing that that stadium for the first time, brand new, uh, amazing. The, the field was actually not in the best condition. I remember because they had some concerts or something on it. So that was a little disappointing, but, but other than that, it was, you know, a amazing experience, you know, just, being there for the game, seeing, you know, walking out onto that field, seeing the stadiums, uh, you know, hearing their fans, <laughs> hearing, and then hearing our own fans too, who traveled for the game. 
um, and, and getting getting to play, you know, against uh, those those players, a lot of them with international experience, um, and and seeing how well we did against them, and you know, holding our own for the entire the entire game. Yeah. Interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here, Billion. I know you have some memories of that, but you know, typically a Wednesday night game in Sacramento, there might be not that many fans, you know, for an open cup match. I was astounded that their stadium filled and filled and filled and filled. And they had to literally give up the area that the Sacramento fans were dedicated to. And we were surrounded by LAFC fans. I mean, I was, that was my first experience of a Wednesday night U.S. Open Cup match where like everybody came out of the woodwork. It was probably for me, one of my most memorable matches that I've ever attended, you know, with the, with the Republic besides going to Reno and, filling up their stands, doing the same thing in reverse. But, you know, that must have felt so good to actually be in a stadium like that. You know, you would, you just described it. Thank you for letting me jump in, Bill. Your turn. No, I was just going to say for our younger viewers, don't think that that's how every professional athlete gets around. You don't get to leave early and get to L.A. <laughs> early on your own. Only the big players get to do things like that. Chartered flights, you know. Cocktails on the fly, masseuse, all that kind of stuff. Don't. No. I wasn't comment now, but buying, okay. buying my own coach ticket and <laughs> and, 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 uh, and then having and then getting a getting a rental car in LA and dri- driving my own rental car. Yeah, it, it's not lavish. You didn't get picked up. There was no limo. Uh, it took the, the the shuttle from the airport to the rental car place. It's further away because it's cheaper. <laughs> and then you walk, or so you don't have to Uber or spend any money. You walk like two miles to get there. No, but I think that's also a testament to um, how trusted you were too as a player. If a coach lets a player do that, they know they're not going to mess around. And I know there's definitely players that we've played with um, that coaches probably wouldn't let them do that. Um, so just a testament to again, your discipline and how trusted you were as a player. I don't know if you watched the the Jeopardy episode we had, but you were one of the answers. The question was about um, a former player who had made a 3D printer. So <laughs> if you want to tell us a little bit about that, that's pretty like, you hear that, you say someone, oh, built their own 3D printer and people think like, oh, he must be a genius. <laughs> No, it's actually it's actually pretty simple these days. You can find lots of tutorials and instructions online, and then you know either there, there are plenty of places that sell kits for parts, or you can source your own parts. Um, and and so it's it's kind of it's getting closer to plug and play these days. It's like it's like a pretty complicated Lego set almost. Uh, but it was a uh, it was a, a cool ex- experience. I, I had a smaller one in college, and I wanted uh, to build a bigger one, and so. I uh, um, I got I got some help from my dad when I was home in the off season to help make the frame out of wood, and then the rest of it I uh, you know I, I kind of drew up a design on my own, sourced the parts, and uh, and kind of you know <laughs> made everything work. It, it didn't go it didn't go super smoothly, but you you roll with the punches, you keep going, and eventually I was able to build um, a, a decent size. Um, wooden printer the the print area was about uh, one and a half cubic feet so about one foot by one foot by 18 inches um and so it was uh, it was a, a cool cool little project and i still have that printer back in california it's at my parents house either in the garage or maybe in the attic now i, I don't know <laughs> but like they don't they don't use it things. their parents don't use it no, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I offered, I offered it to my dad, but no, it's, it's in the garage. I like how nonchalantly you're just like, yeah, we built the frame, and then I just outsourced the parts, and kind of it fell together. <laughs> I dropped them, and there you go, a big bang type scenario. Boy, if we ever had a, a history wall of fame, we need to get that printer back from you and put it in our glass case, you know, when, <laughs> as part of our own history, because that was like everybody knew about that. Um, and that's why it wasn't it, it was an answer on Jeopardy. You were you were an answer. I got the question right. I just want to say I got the question. Oh, that's right. good. That's good. It, it's kind of big. It might be the base of a table that you put something more important on top of. 
Do, do we have pictures of this anywhere? I'm like, uh, every time I hear the printer, I'm like, I want to see a picture of how it looks like. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I have. I definitely do have photos. I don't know if I have any photos online or anything. <laughs> so before we transition to current situation, um, guys, are there any other questions you want to probe uh, Josh about um, before we move him on? Yeah, I, I have a... a one that I like to ask, you know, any, any player who, you know, didn't start in our academy, just was transferred. How did it come about that Sacramento approached to you uh, when you were at Phoenix? Like, how did that transfer go on? Do you have a story for that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not not a very interesting story. I was uh, in the off season. I was in Santa Barbara and um, just for for the holidays. And I was, you know checking in with my agent every every few days to every week to kind of see what new opportunities there were and one uh and so on one of those phone calls he said you know he'd, he'd spoken with todd and they're they're definitely interested um you know is is there mutual interest and i said yes you know definitely um, definitely one of the teams i'd uh, I'd like to play for and you know i knew i knew that at, at the time you know that it wasn't official that the team was going to MLS, but I knew that eventually it was going to happen. Um, and so that was always, that was also on my mind at the time. And uh, so my agent uh, set up a phone call with, um, with Simon uh, goalkeeper coach at the time. And we had a good talk about kind of where, you know, how he saw me and just general philosophy and goalkeeping philosophy. And that talk went well. And so then we, we went forward with uh, the contract talks. Nice. And hopefully, hopefully you get signed on uh, during our first season, because we're going to need a, a good goalkeeper to help us out during that first year. <laughs> so, so Josh, you know, as painful as it was for, us to say goodbye to you in 2019. Um, you know, you were recruited by the top tier league in Israel and one of the big fours. Tell us the same thing. You know, you transferred from Phoenix to us and now all of a sudden you're gone. And how did all, I mean, like, was it as fast? I mean, it seemed like it was so quick. Um, tell us about that time and what that felt like. Yes. So for me, that was a very, very stressful time, to, first of all. Um, but and it was very quick. I I first, you know, learned of it and got in kind of my first knowledge of, you know, potential opportunity uh, at this team was on Tuesday and I was on a plane on Saturday. So that that's the time frame. <laughs> um it was it was very very quick. It was a, a lot of back and forth. A lot of you know, okay, you know, maybe this is going to happen. This is what one side wants. This you know, this is what the, the club you know, Maccabi um, Haifa wants. This is what uh, Sacramento wants. This is what I want. And kind of mean to reconcile those three things and get an agreement between all three parties that um, that worked. But it, it came together really quickly. It was something where, you know, I, I, I love Sacramento. I, lo I loved uh, playing there, but I saw this as a huge opportunity for myself. And it was something where I, you know, it, it came up and I, I had to, uh, that, that door, it's, it opened and I had to walk through it. Yeah, that's understandable. I think when we found out about it, as much as we were sad, it, it actually was really great to see that, you know, the top club in, in Europe uh, getting you on board then you play these uh, European championships, which we'll be talking about here shortly. Like, yeah, it's it's good that you did that. And then, like I said, further on down the road before you retire, then MLS is going to be there and Sacramento is going to be there. And I'm sure the, the connection will, will be there. So it's it's good for you to get that experience over there. Yep. Yep. It's, you know, it was important to me to do, to you know, to, to, I needed to walk through the door, but to do it in a way where I didn't burn any bridges and, you know, and, and, you know, kept, kept in good standing with Sacramento. So uh, I'm kind of curious being that, uh, uh, you know, something that uh, I guess you could say that we, we share in common right now with the Maccabi Haifa, aside from, you know, just having you there as well as, as someone who played for us is of course, Deco Keenan. Did, did he yes. have anything to do with the, the transfer and maybe with, with him seeing you and, 
like uh, recommending to them or was he involved in any way? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know specifics, but I definitely know that, you know, or I, I'm confident that there were more eyeballs on the team and thus on me because of his presence. And, you know, um, because I'm sure he was still in contact with people in Israel. I mean, his parents live not too far from me. I've actually visited them here. Um, and so, and so I'm sure it definitely played a role. And also for me, it was something where I could, I could talk to him and ask him questions about team league life stuff. And he had answers that I could trust. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I was going to say, especially for, ambitious players and players who want to continue playing um, that quick turnaround is how it has to be because teams are really pushy. So you said you found out Tuesday, you had to fly out Saturday. Um, when opportunities like that knock, especially in, for players who are playing currently in the USL championship, I think you have to take them uh, as long as you have that ambition and that desire, which I know for sure you had and clearly you've showed that by, by being there, but they don't realize it's such a quick turnaround. Sometimes you kind of, you don't even know, what's happening, right? You're, you're talking to an agent one second and then the next second you're on a plane flying halfway across the world. You have to pack, you know, you get to bring your carry on and your um, one check-in bag and that's all you get to travel with until you figure it out. And what was that kind of trip like and that transition like for you? Uh, it was, it was very emotional. Um, you know, it's something where I don't, you know, you're, you're walking into the unknown and you're taking this big risk, um, with your career and with your life and, and you're doing it alone and you really don't know what's on the other side. Um, and so, so it's scary at first, um, you know, and then, then what, once I first, once I arrived here, I kind of, I, I got settled in a little bit. They set me up in my apartment, you know, got me a car right away. And, and I, I started to learn a little bit more about the, the team and the environment. My, my first few days here were very chaotic as well, though. Um, I got here. I basically, I, um, first day I, I was in a hotel for actually two days and I had in that time I had to go do a bunch of medical tests. Um, and then I had to go, go and do the actual financials and the paperwork and sign everything. And then immediately after I signed stuff, I went, I, I met the team for the first time. I didn't even train. I just got on the bus and we went down to, um, to the airport and we were on a, the next morning, we were flying to France for a Europa League qualification match where I, where I was on the bench. <laughs> so that, that was my first four days in Israel was, you know, medical tests, paperwork, and then going to a Europa League qualifier. Hey, that's not a bad four days. That's not true. a bad four days. There, but sometimes I think it's also better that it's happening so fast because you don't have to like stop and overthink things and worry too much. It's when you have one thing after the other, um, I found that it was always better. It was those times when I'd fly, I think I'd fly back um, after a break in the season. And when I'd have kind of not much going on that I found I was overthinking things and my mind was running wild and I was missing home even more. So sometimes it's it's a little better to be busy, but you obviously don't want to be too busy. Um yeah, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. And I've even I've noticed that a lot this year where, you know, there's been a lot of time where I'm in quarantine or the league has been stopped. So we're able to train and not play games or we're not even able to train. And I noticed that when we're able to train and play games and especially when we have, you know, games every three, four days, I don't really think about everything else. And so I would just kind of relax and focus on this on the games, focus on the moment. Awesome. I was just going to transition into when the 2019-2020 uh, Israeli season ended so abruptly in March. Um, what happened and where were you able to go? I think you live near the beach. Um, yeah. So I, how was that? Like during, did you have to spend time during in quarantine and things like that? Yeah. So the league kind of stopped for, um, for a few weeks. We were able to, um, there was about a week where there was maybe maybe it was two weeks where there was no training at all. Um, and luckily the team here has a very private um, training grounds. And so you were able to do little things here and there as an individual, not as a group. Uh, and then 
the, and then the government slowly allowed us to start training, even though the rest of the country was still on lockdown. We were able to train in groups of, you know, just first of all, one on one with a coach. So one player, one coach. Then they then they opened it up to, you know, two or three players and a coach and then groups of six. Uh, then and, and then opened it up to a half team and full team eventually. So during that period, I, I was pretty fortunate that I never really stopped training. I was able to do a lot of individual workouts, go on runs, do, do that sort of stuff, and then start doing uh, goalkeeper training one-on-one with the goalkeeper coach. There, there, were, uh, there were a couple of days where me and the other goalkeeper, we would uh, unofficially go and meet up at the beach and do like a beach goalkeeper workout. <laughs> um, but that was all off the books. That's awesome to have that, I think. And it's super helpful. That's a big thing we struggled with. I know here was um, being able to get clearance to get back to training. So the fact that you had that, I think, is is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the league and, um, you know, the, the people in charge of the league have been pretty good um, about, you know, arguing with the government about, you know, what we should or shouldn't be allowed to do. And for the most part, you know, there's been, there's been ups and downs, but for the most part, the league has done quite well in being able to keep us training and also, you know, keep us, keep us training, keep us playing and also establish a safe timeline. So we're not rushing back to play and injury prone. So I'm going to jump in here. I really wanted to hear more about the beach, but maybe we can get to that in a little bit. Um, you were talking about how everything was reopened um, to finish out the 1920 season. How? I mean, you literally had to finish one season before you could start the next. Is that correct, Josh? So they just extended the season. So we had, we had a very long season. We ended. Um, I, I, we didn't end until the end of June. And then what that meant is that I only had about, I think I had eight days back in California between seasons. So instead of normally, normally we'll get about a three week off season if we're um, in European competition. This year, we only had, uh, for, for the guys who were still in Israel, they had, I think, one week, maybe maybe six days for the international players. We got about 10 days, but given how long, uh, given the the availability of flights and then how long the flight take for me that worked out to eight days in California. That's, that's not even enough to get over jet lag and then return. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that's crazy. Hopefully the jet lag wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, that's the one good thing about the flights from here, the direct flights from here to California is that they time them. So you actually, uh, you do, you, really don't get jet lag at all because the flight takes off at about midnight here and lands at about 6 a.m. California time. So you just sleep the duration of the flight or, or, you know, stay up the first little bit and sleep most of the rest and then you're fine. So it's actually, it's actually well-timed. Well, I didn't have flights like that. Jeez. That's, that would, that would make too much sense. I remember struggling a lot with jet lag, especially going from California to Europe. From Europe back here, I never really struggled. I think I yeah. felt safer too and more at home and I was more used to the timeline here. So, but yeah, that makes sense. And awesome that you had flights like that because the jet yeah. lag was huge for me. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely lucky. So Josh, uh, let's go back to last year. Uh, I know we, we were talking about it off air a little bit, but you got to play Europa League and most notably you got to play that last qualifier round Unfortunately, you guys get paired up with probably one of the favorites to win the Europa League. But can you tell us more about how it felt to play against this, you know, really strong team? Mourinho's the head coach. It's it's got to be like a surreal moment, right, to have that. Yeah, it was. You know, when when we first saw the draw, we we actually saw the draw before we had played um, the the previous round. So we knew that if we won in Russia, then we would have to go to um, to England and play against Tottenham. And but but you know, and we ended up winning in Russia, which was a great win for us. And you know, going into that game, it's almost there's there's almost less pressure than than most other games because there's zero expectation from, from, you know, the fans to, you know, the pundits to even, even, you know, your own coaching staff and, and club staff members, there's, there's zero expectation. They just want you to go there and just do as well as you can and show, show well as a team. And so the whole experience was pretty amazing. We, 
we got there, we got to go um, see the brand new stadium. We trained in the stadium the night before the game. Um, so that, that was pretty cool. We got to kind of walk around underneath the stadium a little bit. Um, and then showing up for the game, you walk in and it's just stadium's absolutely massive. <laughs> it's, you know, 60, 70 something thousand people, um, you know, or room for us. There were zero, zero people in there when we played, but, <clears throat> but it's huge and uh, just a, a crazy experience. And then walking out on the field and you're looking at the team you're playing and they've got, you know, Harry Kane, <laughs> they've got, you know, so many of these big time stars that you watch every weekend on TV and, um, or, or me as a goalkeeper that, you know, I've, I've looked up to, they've got, Joe, they've got Joe Hart and Hugo Lloris, you know, Lloris, both players that I've, I, I still watch and study and learn things from. And, and so that's just kind of an, an unreal experience. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately we, we gave up a goal very, very early on in the game. You know, our, we decided as a team and with our, the coaches decided that we were going to, you know, come out, play very aggressive press and just play the way that we play against another team. We weren't going to park the bus. We weren't going to sit back. And, you know, they definitely backfired on us a little bit, but I think as a team, even afterwards, even after the bad defeat, we were, you know, for the most part, proud of how we played. Yeah, we, we made some defensive mistakes, but we also were able to, you know, score a couple goals against one of the best teams in the world. And and we were able, we had moments where we controlled the possession a bit and we were able to press them. And that, that you know, really felt good as a team. Who did you exchange jerseys with? Did you get a jersey? That's what I was going to ask. So, ah! so I didn't. I had to do the UEFA drug test right after. <laughs> because you played so well they always get the best players <laughs> and they drug test hey, this goalkeeper is jumping a little too high there's something yeah. going on here no, it, was, uh, it, it, it was funny that was, that was the first time uh, that was the first time I've been uh, drug tested as a professional soccer player <laughs> so but interesting time to, to be drug tested yeah oh that's unfortunate so you had to did you have to get off the field right away yeah honestly like I, I still had time that if I wanted to I, I could have traded jerseys I just you know as a goalkeeper giving up seven goals is just it's <laughs> it, it takes a toll on your emotions because for me I looked at through it and I thought okay I gave up seven goals and of the seven there was one where I definitely know I should have done better um but none of them were you know and someone watching, none of them were bad goals. There was one where I know I, I definitely could have done better. And then another one where I maybe could have done better. And, but, but still, you know, after giving up seven, you're, you just, you're not happy about it and you don't know how to feel. <laughs> and so it was a little bit of that. And then also the drug test. Um, so I didn't end up trading a Jersey. No, completely understandable. Just time to go back and just eat the Chick-fil-A. Sorry. <laughs> memories yes well that's actually a good little segment what are the post-game meals like for you guys what do you how do they feed you we i remember the couple teams i was on we had like nice buffets and we had chefs that cooked but i don't know what is it like there yeah so so post games actually just really simple like uh away games it's literally just pizza um because yeah pretty much all all pretty much all our away games within israel um you bus back right after the game. It's a small country. Everything's driving distance. So even if you stay at a hotel the night before, you just leave right after the game. Um, the, for our home games, we, um, we get like uh, poke bowls, and, but it's not actual pokey because it's not raw fish. It's just cooked chicken. Um, but it's like cooked chicken bowls with rice and vegetables. Um, so, you know, n- nutritious, uh, pretty filling, simple. Um, during perfect. the week after after trains, we have a little cafeteria. We have a couple chefs, and they make fantastic food. It's it's like homemade Israeli food. How how is the food there? I don't know if I've actually had Israeli food or how similar it is to Bulgarian food. I'm not sure, but do you like the food there? Yeah, so the f- food is fantastic. It's um, pretty traditional Mediterranean. Um, so you have you know a, a lot of you know chicken dishes. You have you know your simple. Oh, stuff with like hummus um, and uh, 
tahini um, based uh, like sauces and based dishes. You have lots of vegetables. Um, shakshuka is a big thing here, especially on uh, on Fridays. So Shabbat, uh, you know, before Shabbat, uh, after training, we get pasta with shakshuka, which is basically like a, a red sauce with uh, with fried eggs, kind of. And it sounds it sounds a little weird, but it's very good. Yeah, that sounds good actually. Um, I don't know. That's- I just popped into my head. Have you met Zohan? Have you seen that movie? <laughs> yes, I, I've not. I've not met Adam Sandler since I've been here. <laughs> uh, that's actually one of my favorite movies. So that's what because you said hummus, and they put it on everything, and they even yeah. like they spread it on any kind of food. So, but I like hummus a lot. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Funny thought popped in my head. That's funny. I bet sometimes you guys wish that you could have had some of that sort of food as opposed to you know pizza or Chick Fil A here in in Sacramento. But you know, um, so. So Josh, let's take you through, take us through a typical training day. You talked about the food. Um, how, how does your, your typical day work? And then what are your accommodations there? You know, everybody's curious, like where kind of, what kind of places do you live? Do you have roommates? I mean, all that. Yeah. So, um, so we'll start with the training, regular training day. So, um, for, so nowadays we train in the mornings, uh, most of the year it's morning trainings, so I wake up in the morning, I make myself a little bit of breakfast here, um, and then I head over to training. I usually get there, you know, um, depending on when training starts, if it starts at, t- it, um, if training starts at 11, that means we need to be in the locker room by 10, which means I usually get there at about 9, 9.30 to 9.40 um, to be on the safe side. Uh, so I get there, change if I need to, you know, uh, uh, go. I can go into the gym, do some stretching, foam roll. If I want to do a little workout, I can do a, little, a light workout in the gym before training. I can also go into our treatment room, get treatment, um, anything like that. Then uh, some days we'll have film before we go out to the field. Other days we just go straight out to the field as a team. And we have, you know, uh, a normal training session. Training sessions are the same, you know, in most parts of the world, pretty much all teams. It's, uh, you know, there's different types of trains, but they're they're all pretty much the same. You know, you you do your warm up goalkeepers. We do, we go through a goalkeeper session and we'll focus on one area, whether it's like, like low dives, power diving, you know, crosses, distribution, footwork. We'll have some, you know, focus area of the day. And then, and then we usually join the team. We'll put either playing in some possession games or playing a small sided or even a, a, a you know, half field or, you know, eight yard game, um, depending on the numbers and what the coaches want to see. Um, and then after that, you go in, you know, go get treatment again, if you need in the treatment room, get food, uh, you know, sh- shower, change, and then you're, you're free to go home for the rest of the day. So that that's kind of a, a typical training day. It's uh, it's pretty pretty relaxed, you know. On the field, it's not relaxed at all, but off the field, it's relaxed. Um, and then and then you also asked about kind of the setup in my accommodations here. So I have so here I I have my own apartment. It's a, a very nice apartment. I'm actually uh, I can I can look out to. Um, um, the screen reverses, so it looks like it's my right, but it's actually my left. I can look out and I have a balcony, and the stadium is a few is maybe uh, 500 meters in front of my building. So I can actually uh, I'm on I'm on the 14th floor, so I can see into the stadium a little bit from my uh, from my balcony, and then the the beach is a little bit is another you know kilometer beyond that. So pretty pretty nice apartment, and it's it's a bit. It, you know, it's right now with the virus, it's me alone here. And so I've got way too much space. <laughs> I only use about half the apartment. I use the common area and my bedroom. And then there's like, you know, a couple extra rooms that I don't use. Uh, but all, pretty much all the players have, have their own apartment, um, at least all the foreign players. And then the team provides a car for everyone as well. So it's a pretty, pretty nice setup. They make things very easy. I mean, that's amazing. Did you know you were going to have those kinds of accommodations before you like went there? I mean, that's amazing. You know, I, I, I know in Europe that's common, but just to, to hear you say, you know, they give you a car, you know, you've got three extra rooms and it's like, you know, you need visitors. 
yeah, yeah, I, I, I do, I do have a, you know, I have a, a friend um, from college who lives here in Israel, and he'll come stay with me occasionally. And you know, he, he's the only one who uses the guest bedroom, <laughs> at least recently. Um, so, but, but yeah, they, you know, it's a nice setup. When I first came here, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I knew that I was going to, you know, get an apartment and a car, but I didn't know to what extent. And that was actually something where when I was kind of working out the details of the contract, I was a little bit concerned that the contract didn't specify like you have your own apartment, like a private apartment. Because if you want in USL, if you want that, that's it has to be in your contract. Otherwise, you're getting a shared apartment. And so, you know, being in a new country and having my girlfriend come and live here for extended periods, I definitely wanted my own apartment. And I was concerned that it wasn't in there. And when I brought it up, they were confused because they, they didn't even consider the fact that I would have shared an apartment. Yeah, that's more a USL thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in Europe, when they say you'll get an apartment, it's it, for them, it's pretty clear that they mean you'll have your own apartment. Yeah. Um, how has it been? So a big thing for me, I know when I was there was I missed my family and friends a lot. Also, when I went, I was a lot younger. I was straight out of high school. So it was a little different time for me. Um, but I do remember missing my family and friends a lot. And I know we talked a little bit about how quarantine um, affects flights and how people can come and go. So you haven't been able to have um, the visitors that you've wanted to have. And I know your girlfriend hasn't been able to come as much as well. Um, how's that mm-hmm. been for you? Because I know that was a huge uh, thing for me. Yeah, so so th- that's, you know, definitely been an adjustment. At, at first, you know, it was difficult to, uh, to, to be so far away. And then also having to deal with the time change where if I want to, you know, connect with anyone back home, I, there's really only a few hours a day when I can do it. And one of us isn't asleep. Um, but, you know, or, early on when I was here, um, and, you know, my, my girlfriend came out and she was living here for a bit. And so that was nice. You know, my, my parents came out and visited. Um, her parents also came out and visited at one point. So that, so that was all really nice. And that was all before the, um, the virus situation started. You know, since then, it's definitely been a bit more difficult, both, like you mentioned, with the travel restrictions and then also just the, the general quarantine rules here. You know, I'm stuck in the apartment alone a lot more. and. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, I, I definitely do miss <laughs> miss kind of some of the social interactions and people from home. Um, and it's something where I really kind of just, you know, focus more on, on the plane and the soccer because that's that's what I can focus on right now. I, I can't control the external stuff. I still want to hear more about this beach that's only a kilometer away from the from where you are. <laughs> I, I mean, that's got to be fabulous. And and I don't know, honestly, I, I don't know about the your weather there i know it's a mediterranean climate very similar to here but is it dry is it humid is there room to roam on the beaches are they crowded is your town busy you know tell us a little bit yeah so um so i'm i'm in a a city called haifa it's uh towards the north end of israel it's a fairly large city um and the way the city's positioned it's it there's a big hill and then kind of um, the coastline wraps around the hill almost. And so most of the real estate um, is either up on the hill or, or kind of around the base of the hill. And so I'm at the base of the hill on the, on one side and, um, and you know, the, the beach is uh, at least near me, it's, it's very open, sandy and nice, very, pretty similar to the California beaches. The water is definitely warmer. <laughs> and, and the weather here is very similar to California weather. It's a bit more humid. And, um, and then in the winter, we get, uh, um, we get a lot more thunderstorms being right on the, right on the water here. And so, you know, yesterday and today, there've actually been uh, quite a few thunderstorms outside and, and a lot of rain. But, you know, earlier this past week, it was, you know, in the, in the mid seventies, sunny, beautiful every day <laughs> and so it, and i know i know uh today california is in the 80s i think which is pretty crazy for january so so over, overall the weather is pretty similar definitely a, a bit more humid here but only only for um, a couple months a year 
Wow, that's that's really good too. Actually, your Wi-Fi is is doing really good too, despite that, <laughs> which is a, <laughs> always a good sign. All right. Well, any last uh, questions here, Sharon Bishev, before we close it out? Um, I was going to say, obviously, quarantine affects this, but how much do you actually go to the beach? Because in one of the teams um, I played for in Bulgaria, Varna is right on the beach. It's a city in Bulgaria right on the beach as well. And now, like, thinking back and living here, I actually wish I would have gone more and done more things to the beach. I still went, you know, a few times. And after training, I would just go and, like, lay out on the beach. And it was amazing. But I don't think I capitalized as much as I could have on living next to the beach. Um, do you go enough or do you feel like you could go more? Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely could go more. Um, I go occasionally, but not, not too often. Um, and th- th- that's one thing where here I have to be a little bit careful right now because we technically are in quarantine still. And, um, as a member, the team here is very popular and it's the most popular sport in the country. And so on the news, you know, like the, the Israeli equivalent of ESPN, my team is featured, you know, the equivalent of the Lakers on Sports Center. And so that's the amount of media time we get, meaning that if I'm outside, people will notice. And and right now with the quarantine, if if I if people take photos of me where I'm not supposed to be, I can get in a lot of trouble and get a nice fine. That's a big, <laughs> so a big wanna, no-no. Yes, and so I I, I want to avo- I want to avoid that. But but also even before, um, you know, I went to the beach. You know, some evenings I would go for a little walk um, around sunset, and that was really nice. But I, I definitely could go more. I think I've been very privileged in the fact that I went to college in San Diego for five years and I lived in La Jolla. So it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not a new experience. <laughs> and so I'm, uh, and so I think in a few years, I might, I might be in the same boat where I, I think about it and think, oh, I should have gone more. But for the, for the meantime, I'm, you're not I'm, beach deprived. You know, I'm not. I'm not going a lot, but I'm not missing it. God, yeah, you're not beach deprived now. That definitely makes sense. And that's absolutely amazing. Your analogy of the sports coverage there for your squad and how recognizable you will be. I mean, you were sort of recognizable here in Sacramento, um, but only by the fans. You know, the diehard fans. But that's just amazing. So yeah. Lakers and your team and coverage <laughs> and people could probably bust your chops. So I'm glad you're staying safe and I'm glad you're kind of keeping it low key. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, that, 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 that whole thing was kind of the biggest adjustment for me or the biggest shock when I, so when I first came here um, in one of those first two days before I left with the team for France, um, you know, the, the goalkeeper coach had told me, you know, go on a run just for fitness purposes to, um, because I wasn't allowed to train until I cleared my medical. Um, and so I went on a nice run where I, I went from, uh, from the hotel, wrapped down by the beach, along the beach a little bit, and then back. And on that run, there were multiple times where a car, like I'm driving on the on sidewalk on the side of the road, where a car like pulled over, lowered their window, and like asked me like, oh, are you Josh Cohen? And like, was like, oh, we're, we're fans of the team. Welcome, you know, and would say stuff. And this is literally my first day there. And I'm, I'm just like running. I'm sweaty. I'm not wearing anything from the team. <laughs> and and so that was kind of where i realized okay it's different wow that's that's pretty sweet right it's it's, it's a cool feeling to know that they already recognize you and that you know they they know it's it's your first day right you just came and that that's how you know that you you do have some really dedicated fans that are just keeping up right with the, anything that that goes on so I actually did have one last question uh and <laughs> this is more so uh just out of curiosity so i I was on your Wikipedia page and it shows that in your youth career, you have a Grêmio from Brazil. Is yeah. that true or, or was that did someone just thought that? Nope. I was there for uh, only three months. So I went there one summer. I trained with their, um, with their uh, youth team, the Infantil, and a little bit the juvenile team, which is their like U15s and their U- U17s. It was... Um, it was 2008, I believe, over the summer. And it was, you know, an opportunity that came up through uh, an, an old goalkeeper coach I had who was Brazilian and had some connections. 
And so I went, uh, you know, I went down there, was able to train and it was, uh, it, you know, it was a, it was a, a tough experience. My first time living away from home for an extended period, but, uh, but, you know, I learned a lot. I got, I got a lot better as a player and it was just kind of a cool thing to see what, what it's like, you know, at these big clubs. Wow. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Glad to hear you, you had that. And I think that probably helped you, right. That really helped you in, in right now and, having a, a different uh, mentality out there and definitely with the international experience too. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it, it a bit taught me um, to just kind of, you know, roll with the punches a little bit, <laughs> you know, you, you, when you're, when you're in such a foreign experience like that, you don't know how things are going. You're very hesitant at first and you just kind of have to sit back and trust that things, things will go okay. And that, you know, and, and the, the people around you will help you if needed. Um, and so that was, but, but yeah, that, that was, that was my first real experience where I'm on my own. I'm playing soccer and it was very, very different, but I learned a lot. You epitomize the California chill attitude, mister, you know, kind of like that beach Bay area, South Bay, San Diego. I mean, all that fits you. You you definitely epitomize that. So don't ever lose that quality because that's that's part of how we are. <laughs> yeah, I got I got I got to keep it. <laughs> it's 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 gotten me this far, so I have to trust it and, and try and keep it. So so Josh, on behalf of Villian and Luis and the um, State of the Republic podcast, I mean we're just so thrilled that you had time to spend with us, given your um, stardom there in Israel, and you know feel free to. Share this podcast, uh, this video podcast, when we get it up and running. And it will be interesting to see if your fans there in Israel have a tendency to kind of want to hear more of what you had discussed with us today. So at the end of the day, you know, we appreciate you. And any words you want to say to the folks back home, you know, your fans here, your fans there, give us some that positive ending. That <laughs> nice. Give us that. Yeah, so I, I just want to say, uh, you know, th thank you to, to all the fans back in Sacramento for uh, <laughs> for for all the support from when I was there, and and you know the continued support. I, I still you know get comments and, and messages from fans in Sacramento, and it's it's amazing. And you know, I'm hoping that both you know myself here and the team there will have a fantastic you know season you know, this coming year and we'll get fans back in seats everywhere this year so that people can, you know, come out, support and do, do things beyond just yelling at their computer screen or their TV screen. <laughs> but but th thank you for having me on the podcast. I had a great time and uh, I'll definitely, definitely share it once, uh, once it's up and live. Thank you yeah. again, Josh. And go ahead, Bill. I was going to say thank you guys for having me on as well, Josh. It was awesome to talk to you and catch up a little bit. Um, great to see you. A lot of good memories, obviously, and glad to see you're doing well and thriving over there. Again, good luck with everything and really cool to talk to you. Yeah, good, good catching up and best of luck to you as well. Thank you, Josh. Uh, best of luck this year. And again, we'll be keeping a close eye on, on your team this season. <laughs> All Absolutely. Right, appreciate it. You know, it's funny, Josh, now I'm going to really start watching more. I mean, and, and keep posting on Instagram because that's a lot of how, you know, a lot of us will stay in, in touch. We, we really do like watching your posts. Well, that was a really great interview, Sharon. It's, it's our very first uh, uh, interview in Israel because he's, he's in Israel. Time difference is completely different than here, too. So I'm really glad that. Josh was able to fit this interview in a schedule because, you know, obviously it's, it's not that easy to coordinate when <laughs> you're in completely different time zones uh, across the world, but awesome to hear his experience. And it's, it's so amazing, you know, how much, you know, he's developed this game and we're really proud to see him, you know, doing uh, big things over there and hopefully making it to Champions League. Fingers crossed. They're in first place right now. If they keep it up there, they'll have the, uh, the qualifier, at least the Champions League and, if they don't make it there, at least we'll get to see him in a Europa group play. So it's, it's a win-win. 
it was it it was crazy to talk to an alumni that's just done so well for himself, you know, and and to hear how they treat him there and to hear how popular he is and how recognizable. Mm-hmm. It was really nice to see that for Josh because he, you know, when he was here, he was just such a, a humble and solid goalkeeper. And then just to get him see him get recognized and now he's their guy. And it's just wonderful. It's it was good. I'm so glad we had a chance, Luis, to set this up and get up a little early, you know, our time to catch him before he went to bed, their time. Yeah. Yeah. So it worked out good. Again, you know, we're we're really thankful for Josh for joining us uh today and looking forward uh, to him hopefully coming down in the summer and us having games in the summertime being able to to be there and having him there and hopefully maybe doing a, a live there from the stadium when he's there and you know all, all of us actually just on one screen this time so fingers crossed that that we get USL back and that we're able to be there yeah absolutely absolutely awesome well Thank you, Sharon, for joining us also tonight here. Um, I know I keep saying tonight, even though it's morning here, but it's tonight in Israel, so I want to keep it as tonight. <laughs> um, it's you know it's, it's been good here, and be on the lookout, everyone, for our next interview. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be with another former Republic player that we've known for a while. He had uh, two different uh, times with the team. And so I'll just give you guys that clue as to it's a player that came back. He was with us uh, just recently. So uh, that, that'll, be, that'll be your clue as to who, who it might be. So we will be posting that um, in the next week. And it, it should be an, an interesting one. So also uh, another reminder again, if you're not following us on social media, please do so. You can follow us at State Republic 12 is what you got to search for on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So please give us a follow. We are going to be doing a Republic Jeopardy monthly, as we stated before. And so you definitely want to be following us so you're able to find out when uh, we announce uh, the date of that next one. And also who is going to be on it. And we're still trying to figure it out. We know Bishev is going to be on as the reigning champion to defend his title. But the other two contestants are to be determined. So once we get those finalized, we'll have a date to announce for you all. And again, if you follow us, you'll find out when that is. And you'll be able to actually uh, tune in uh, at the time it it goes on. So thank you so much, everyone, for uh, listening to us or for watching us. If you're watching us on YouTube. Um, Also, if you're not uh, subscribed on YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Just search for State of the Republic podcast. You'll find our link there. If you can't find it that way, just search for Republic Jeopardy Live and you'll find our our channel there with uh, our video of the Republic Jeopardy. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and for uh, listening to us. Have a great day or night and we'll see you next time.